Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. We're coming off a Thanksgiving loss to the Dallas Cowboys for the Giants. 28-20 to was the final, really the great pack door cover. I did a little uh, finger on the pulse bit where the pulse said it was going to be a close game. Everybody you know, gave the Giants no shot. The pulse was right, at least for the first half. The Giants were winning at halftime. It kind of fell apart. They just didn't have enough. I think that's my main takeaway from that game on Thanksgiving was that the Giants, especially with their injuries, just didn't have enough. You could tell against a good team. It just They weren't going to be able to shut down that Cowboys offense and uh, do enough offensively to win that game. Like they, they slapped it together for the first half, a lot like they've done this year. But eventually, Dallas was too good. They were better than the Waves, significantly better than the team the Giants put on the field. And the Giants made a couple mistakes. And you, they, they can't play their C game and overcome that against a good team like Dallas. And Dallas is a good team. Like you, They need to play their A game to overcome a team like Dallas. So we'll get into that a little bit. Talk about the huge matchup that now exists for this week. Really, the first time in a long time I'm going to consider the Giants since, since 2016 in a real playoff-type atmosphere game against the Washington Commanders this week at MetLife Stadium. We'll get to that in a bit. We'll do. Uh, we'll talk to our Commanders ESPN reporter, John Keim. I'll do a Giants after dark, and then we'll wrap up with a quick Jordan on the beat. I'll tell you, the sick menu that Jerry Jones put together for the media on Thanksgiving. At least made being away for Thanksgiving a little better. Just a little bit. Anyway, let's talk about what's upcoming for the Giants. Huge game against the Commanders. The way it's turning out right now, and I know people are panicking. I had somebody suggest to me that the Giants weren't going to win another game this year. I'm not going there yet. I'm not panicking to that degree. Yes, they lost to a better team in Dallas. They have a harder schedule down the stretch. Think about it. Two against the Commanders, two against the Eagles, one against the 9-2 and two Minnesota Vikings that's on the road, and then a game against Indianapolis, which, by the way, that's going to be the one game. They cannot afford to lose that game. So Giants get to 10 wins. They're going to be a lock to be in the playoffs. This is the way I look at it. So win three of those six, split them, lock. Win two of the six. Still have a chance. Washington has a tough schedule, especially if one of those two is against Washington. Split with Washington. Washington has a tough schedule. Seattle is only has six wins right now. So they're going to need four out of their final six to get to 10. Now, granted, the Giants would lose that tiebreaker at nine with Seattle. So that's the, that's the one that could be a little dangerous for the Giants, right? If they end up in nine games and end up tied with Seattle. But still, nine could get you in. It's no lock that Seattle's getting to nine wins. Definitely not. I think they play San Francisco. They play the Jets. They have two against the Rams. Those are the two ones. They, those, they have to beat that Rams team, which is decimated right now, to have any chance really to get to nine. So I'm not panicking, and I don't think the Giants are in as bad a shape as many people think, believe. And, you know, there are people out there, like I said, somebody said to me they're not winning another game this year. Well, I disagree with that. But this game this week against Washington – is really big because you want one out of two against Washington, and obviously playing at home is more is an advantage. 
So you're more likely to win at home than they are on the road in what? Two weeks down the road. They go Washington, Philadelphia, Washington. So, and if you lose this one, that's three in a row. You're really heading in the wrong direction. You don't want to go there. Makes this a really big game for the Giants. But part of the reason I'm not panicking about the Giants, yes, if they had the team that they put out in Dallas, they'd be in trouble. Literally six starters, six starters who had started the previous week's game against the Lions were out against Dallas. Now you see the Giants getting healthier. You see Daniel Bellinger starting tight end. You see Evan Neal starting right tackle. You see center John Feliciano. You see Aziz Ojolari. Um, Who else am I missing here? Left guard Ben Bredesen, Fabian Moreau, a cornerback, and their secondary is decimated right now. So getting all, having all these guys on the practice field this week, they're on the practice field in some shape or form. They're all on the field, trending towards a return. Tony Jefferson off the IR, designated for return, has a chance to return this week. That's a lot of guys. The Giants are on the verge of getting a lot of guys, a lot of key players back. You're talking about your right tackle, your center, and depending on how they play it out, if you know either Nick Gates starts at left guard, which seems probable or possible, I should say. You put it, but if Bredesen starts at left guard and Feliciano goes back to center, that's three-fifths of the offensive line that's back. By the way, I, I kind of expect it to be Nick Gates at left guard. I think that's the way this seems to be trending, but there's some time left in the week. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. But getting all these guys back. Now, Daniel Bellinger, rookie. Not a great player, but he's a contributor. Obviously, getting him back to some degree helps. Same with Fabian Moreau. Clearly, not a shutdown number one cornerback. But you're replacing him with guys like Nick McLeod, Cordell Flott, uh, who's a rookie. Uh, who's the other guy? Radarius Williams, who's missed basically a year and a half with a knee injury. To get a veteran back who's played fairly well this year, it might not seem significant to people on the outside, but considering what you're replacing, to me, that is a plus. And the Giants didn't have that in Dallas. They were flat out outmanned. And eventually they wore down. In the second half, you could see them wear down. They just, okay. You know, Dallas, you, they had a couple plays in the first half where I noticed and I'm like, Dak just missed that throw. He overthrew that guy by a bit. That was really close to becoming a long run. And it was there. It's like, if the Giants allow them to stay close, eventually Dallas will be able to make those plays. The defense can't quite be as opportunistic as it has been in the past. And you've seen that recently, right? The better teams, the better offensive teams that they're playing, right? Seattle, um, Dallas, Detroit, okay? This Giants defense that was pulling off these miracles and so opportunistic, right? All of a sudden, they've allowed 27 or more points to three straight games, three out of four of the games. I'm discounting the Texans game because that's almost like uh, – against a minor league team there. So you're seeing cracks in the Giants' defense, especially in that secondary. You know, it's hard for them to really consistently make stops if they're playing better quarterbacks and better offenses. And now Taylor Heineke, not a great quarterback, certainly, for Washington, but he's played pretty well. He's proven to be serviceable. And Washington has some weapons. So the Giants have to get back to that formula that has worked for them. Run the ball early. I think they got away from that the last two weeks. Saying, oh, teams are stacking the box to stuff Saquon Barkley. So we're going to come out throwing, right, because the matchups are there. The matchups give us opportunities to hit some big plays early in the pass game. 
But I do think the Giants need to run the ball early, even if it's not successful, because we've seen it has paid dividends later on in games by them running it early. So I think it's important that they do that, especially here against Washington again. If they just let Washington rush the passer, the Giants are screwed. They're, I don't care if they're whole, every offensive lineman's available. Still not a great pass-protecting Giants offensive line. And this Washington front is good with potentially Chase Young coming back. You don't want to get in a position where you let John Allen, De'Ron Payne, uh, Montez Sweat, and Chase Young get after the quarterback. Hey, just go rush the quarterback against this line. That would be trouble for the Giants. Have to avoid that. Have to avoid that. Let's talk more about this matchup with my boy, John Kime. On to the next one. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, let's talk to our commander's reporter, John Kime. Commander still sounds weird, by the way, John. I, I'm still. It sounds I, very, very weird to me. I still have trouble getting through it and and not uh, using the R word. But uh, even though they were the football team in between, but I mean, winning two teams, winning record this late in the season. Who would have expected it, John? You? No. Well, I would. I would say this, like. I could have seen Washington because I thought they could win nine or 10 games based on their schedule. And, you know, we talked about that earlier this summer about the schedule for these, this division, these four teams, of the division, but I thought with Washington, their schedule, some of the guys are getting back, et cetera, that they could do that. And then they start off one and four. So then it's like, well, no way do you see yeah. that. But I certainly did not see the giants being seven and four at this point. Yeah, Nobody did. But, uh, but for the, for the Washington perspective, like, what is it? Like, what is it just Taylor Heineke? Like, I mean, no. that, that's obviously the big change. No, it's not. What, so what is it then? What what has been the difference for this team? So Heineke went in. They were two and four and Heineke came in for Carson Wentz, broke his right ring finger. And he did where he has helped is he has a little bit more. He has definitely more mobility. And early on, he could make some plays because of that. Uh, make, make more plays in the pass game because of that. But he uses it. He can use his legs. So that helps. His familiarity with the offense has helped as well. So there have been throws that he's made out of trust with Terry McLaurin or Logan Thomas because he knows where they're going to be. He gets rid of the ball. You get that plan step. The ball comes out. If it's not coming out, it could be a sack fumble within a split second. That's the difference 
I think those are some things that he's made. The energy he brings has made a difference. But the biggest change is they finally remembered what their identity should be, and that's running the ball. And, you know, last year they went on a four-game stretch. They ran the ball, controlled the clock. The defense played better. That's all happening now. Their defense is being very opportunistic. They're forcing takeaways. They lead the NFL in turnover margin over the last seven weeks. That's been a big difference. But the run game, and that's with that part of that, that stems from the improvement of rookie Brian Robinson, the young man who was shot twice in August. He has recovered. You know, he was going to be a big part of their offense before he got shot. And then that delayed his return. He didn't come back till I think it was week. He missed the first four games. And then it's been a slow process of getting back. And last week, you started to see the guy that they really thought they had with the power that he, he runs with, the vision that he runs with. And, and I think that's made a difference. And it's helped the defense. The defense and the defensive line have played very well. So there's been that trickle-down effect. But it really starts with the commitment to the run game has made the biggest difference overall. It sounds uh, very familiar, right? I mean, think about it's it. Very, the Giants, same thing opportunistic defense run Correct. the football don't make enough mistakes in the past game now you the, the washington does have terry mclaurin and that's a big difference and right. you've seen it with with heineke like you mentioned so the giants are short at cornerback right maybe they get fabian moreau back this week but they, their number one cornerback dory jackson is out the does washington can you see washington with how they're playing just say okay let's just pound the ball to Terry McLaurin. Let's just get the ball to him. Let him make plays. I can see them using the pass more, but if they're smart, they will stick with what they have because the one thing that, you know, and I do, I can't see them taking advantage of that absolutely, whether it's with play action or coming out a little bit more aggressive than they have in some other games with the pass. And don't forget, it's not just McLaurin, it's Curtis Samuel can hurt mm -hmm. teams with the pass. Logan Thomas, their tight end, is getting back to what he was. He had an ACL last year, and it took him a little bit of time to work his way back. And then Jahan Dotson, the rookie from Penn State, who has kind of been forgotten since he got hurt. He got hurt. He missed, the, missed like five games or so, but he can still hurt teams. So I, they have guys that can still hurt you in addition to McLaurin. So I could see them being more aggressive through the air. The problem is that their formula right now really is rushing the ball, and the Giants have not shown that they're a great run defense. So I think you're going to still set it up that way, but maybe right. with the opportunity for more chunk plays. The hard part with Heineke is every game, every game there's a couple of throws where you just say, you just kind of scratch his head and say, I don't know how he got away with that one, but he did. And it could right. be a drop pick. And like the joke here is that there's like a horseshoe that he brings <laughs> on the field with him. But um, so I think that might limit that. They know what their identity is, but I can see them being more successful in the past game, maybe more so than aggressive with it. Right, you could say it here. You know, the horseshoe's up his butt. You know, I get it. It's fine. You, <laughs> yes, you, you, you yes, can yes, even say yes. ass. We, 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 okay, we there say you go. He's got a horseshoe. Up. He may have two horseshoes up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, okay, is this the week that Chase Young finally gets back? I mean, every year week I kind of hear, oh, maybe this week, maybe this week, maybe this week. Hasn't played this year. No, had the, I, had the knee injury uh, last year. Hasn't played this year. Is this the week? And if so, like, can he can he be a difference maker, or is it just like a slow integration? I don't know if he'll play. They don't know if he'll play. He was he had a really good practice last Wednesday. They were very upbeat about that, and I think at that point they started to think he was trending toward playing. But by the end of the week, he wasn't. He he got sick. 
And I think they're still like, I think they want him to have 100% confidence in the knee. Ron Rivera said that the strength and conditioning coaches, the trainers have told them there's nothing more they can do. It's really about Young getting more confident in that knee and how he's using it. And you saw it last week more, even when we were out there watching it mm-hmm. and the way he went through some drills. But until they see that, they're not going to put him out there. So I, I could see him being out there this week. But if they don't know, I don't know. So I think yeah. we'll learn Full more. Full disclosure, it's out. Tuesday. We're taping this right. on Tuesday. So, so it's early, Tuesday. early in the week. So it's early in the week. There's, there's right. a long as, way to go here. But when he does play Jordan, he would be limited to in that 12 to 15 snap range. So more of a situational guy. And, you know, who knows what he's going to look like. He could go in there. And it's funny because somebody asked him about this last week. He's like, you know, if, if that's enough for him to make an impact, it's like one play could make an impact. And he might be the guy that can make that play. And when I think when you're facing athletic quarterbacks like, Daniel Jones, they have Deshaun Watson coming up, that you want a guy that has his athleticism. So, Mm -hmm. but one thing this group has done very well is play together on stunts, coordinated stunts or improvised stunts. And most of them do that pretty well. There's one guy, F.A. Obata, who tends to freelance a little bit more. He can be effectively freelance. But Young last year would freelance a little bit more. Will he fit into what they're doing well now? That's going to be a big key moving forward who's the best guy on that defensive line right now is it allen john allen john allen john allen i would say is so he plays on the interior right so he'll match up against the guards which they move around whichever matchup is probably best for him they'll move him around but he and deron Payne are really good too so so they will move those guys but not you know um but but that's like and deron Payne is if john allen is playing at an all pro level deron Payne is definitely at a pro bowl level they both have six and a half sacks. They both get, I think Allen, I think still leads the NFL in tackles for a loss. Um, yeah, so but that's trouble they, for the giants because their guards yeah. are not, their interior is not very good. That's probably, that's the weakness of the line. You got, you know, Mark Lewinsky and then probably Ben Bre- Bredesen back at left guard. Those are areas that Washington could easily exploit there. And that's their strength is, is right there. Yeah, and so that, that'll be interesting. The giants uh, are going to have to play, probably move the pocket plenty against this Washington, which is obviously what they, have to do against a lot of teams, especially you saw it the other day on Thanksgiving. All right, so six weeks left. They didn't have their bye. First of all, this is wild, John. I've never seen a team. They're, they're going to play the Giants two games in a row. Right. Yeah, I've, I've never seen play. that in the NFL, where you play the yeah. same team two weeks in a row. They, they have a bye in between. I, it's, the, am I the only one who thinks that's awkward? No, I think I think it's very awkward. And I, I think it's hard for both teams because you're playing them. And it, it's hard for the Giants, <clears throat> excuse me, because this team's going to play New York and then spend the next, you know, two week and a half, two weeks, figuring out what went right or wrong and then yeah. making a game plan off that to face the same team where the Giants have to go out and play another game. These guys will get a chance to rest in between. Yeah. And so Never I thought you know, about but it, that. Yeah. 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 And it, what the, but the hard part is, um, to, to beat like both these teams could really, really help themselves with a sweep, of course. And I think that's, I think this is almost tailor made for a split. And, yeah. you know, but, but, and I, I think both I teams think, would be happy with a split. No, I think they would. I think they definitely would. And, um, but it is, a, it's a weird situation. It's weird to have the bye week so late. And as you know, as a reporter, it's really grueling to have a bye week so late. Because I think we could all, I think after what we've been You needed your week, rest like six weeks ago. Yeah. I think we needed a bye month more than a week. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. 
What do you think? I, 10 is the magic number, right? You get to 10, you're going to make the playoffs. I think again. 10 is a lock, right? Yeah. I agree. 10 is a lock. Do you think why, nine is kind of like, okay, we're in decent shape. We'll see. You'll see how it plays out. It's a little bit of a crapshoot maybe. Right. Do you do you see Washington realistically getting to 10? I can see him getting to nine. I think 10, and the way they get to so nine. So that's a no. That's a no. You don't well you you wouldn't predict like if you had to bet your I'm, life I, on it, you wouldn't bet on 10, you'd bet on nine. Yes. And but there's a clear so the path to nine for them is split with the Giants, and then they have Cleveland at home after the second Giants game. And we don't know where Deshaun Watson's gonna be. And the funny thing is, like quarterback hasn't been the Browns issue, it's been their defense and the inability to stop the run. So it matches up well with what these guys want to do. So that's where you get the nine. And then you have to split with the Niners on the road or oh. Dallas in the home finale. And, you know, it depends. Then it's see the, the path to 10, Jordan. What Good does chance Dallas, Dallas has nothing game? to play for, though, John. Well, we, we don't know. And if they do, then my money, you'd have to put what your money on What could they Dallas, be playing too? for? I mean, unless they're going for the division, right? Or the right. NFC, and, like because yeah, and, and unless it's a there's a big gap between situation. Dallas and the other wild card teams. There it's is. not like they'll and fall up down. Yeah, right. And so like this, there's a so that's the path to ten is what how Dallas handles the finale, assuming that their their spot is already secure and they can't improve or hurt it. Um, then then the, then this team has a shot at ten, and that's where you get it. And then of course, as you know, then it really depends on what does Seattle do. Because I think the Niners are really starting to play a lot better and taking control there. So what do the, what does Seattle do? And there, there's a realistic shot, of course, of all four NFC East teams making the playoffs two years after they all finished under 500. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, I, first of all, who who predicted the Giants to to make the playoffs? Uh, it's interesting because the Giants, you look at their okay, how do they get to ten? I'm going to give them a split against Washington. I'll give him Indy since that's at home too, right? Yes. So yes. that gets him to nine. Yes. Now they're going to have to win a tough game to get to 10. Again, they play the Eagles in week. It's now week 18, not even 17, right? There's a week 18. Yeah, week 18. Yeah. Uh, but what is Philadelphia going to be playing for at that point? Right. It's possible that they're not playing for anything. Or could they sneak a win in Minnesota? I don't know. That's a tough game. Uh, or the Eagles earlier, that's another tough game. So, yeah, I, I, th that week 18 between Washington playing Dallas, who might not have anything to play for, and the Giants playing the Eagles, who might not have anything to play for, could be very, very interesting yeah. how, how that plays out. Yeah, and that's, you know, and 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 but it's there's, again, there's a real path for both these teams making it, which would be kind of fun because I think, I think all of us who cover the NFC East would agree that, this is the this is always the most interesting division in football, and I think the NFL is a lot more fun when this division is good. Um, it just and maybe that's just a bias from covering it for so long, but that's just how I feel. They're four big solid big fan bases, teams. though. Yeah. Markets, fan yeah. bases. Popular it it definitely helps. I mean, look, the Giants aren't even an enticing team to watch these days that much, but Giants Cowboys on Thanksgiving drew the biggest you know, rating like ever, basically. Yes. Like all combined. So, yeah, that just goes to show you where we're at. John Kime, I'll see you on Sunday. And then uh, a couple weeks later, we'll we'll, uh, we'll roll it back and do it again. 
There you go. Good to talk to you, Jordan. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, we're going to go back to the basics here. Your favorite portion of the podcast is the time. Will you ask me your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark? All right, we're going to do a quick five-pack here. Uh, Number one from Twitter, at NYGiantsNews26. What are you hearing from your sources about OBJ? Like they wouldn't bring him in for a two-day visit for nothing, would they? Well, first of all, uh, the two-day visit thing, usually, guys, it, that's kind of like the norm when a person does a visit. It's not necessarily a two-day visit. Like, you come in the first night. Maybe you get dinner. This is at least what they do for draft prospects. You come in the night before. You have dinner with, like, let's say the wide receiver coach, the coach, the GM, whatever. In this case, who knows? could be anybody. The ownership is going to be probably part of this as well. And then you actually do the visit and the physical and those kind of things in the facility the next day. So I think that's probably what we're talking about here. Uh, now, what I've heard is that the Giants are going to go through the process with Odell. Like, they're interested. Now, I don't know if that necessarily means they're willing to pay him. I think I, I have my reservations about that. Considering, let's think about it. Considering the approach that Joe Shane has taken this year, all of a sudden do we think he's going to open his wallet after being extremely disciplined, extremely disciplined financially, to the point where they haven't signed anybody aside from the veteran minimum this year because they're trying to get their cap in order and be in, high, in healthy shape moving forward. Is he all of a sudden going to open the wallet for a 30-year-old off two ACL injuries? Seems a little shaky to me now. The one thing I've heard, and this is from someone I trust, is that the favorite is the Cowboys, right? So you got to figure the Giants, like, they're in the running because they're, they're, they are bringing him in, like you said. They're not doing it for no reason. But I would be a little bit surprised if they are willing to pay him what they want. So that's what I've heard so far on uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Visiting this week. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, Bills and Cowboys up next. Question number two. Uh, at Wander underscore Bread. Assuming Bredesen and Neil are healthy, along with all the other all options outside of Lemieux. Yeah, Shane Lemieux's toe injury is going to keep him sidelined. What is your thought on the best offensive line configuration going forward? Yeah, as long if 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 you told me Bredesen was fully healthy and back in full shape, it would probably be Gates at and Gates is, you know, getting back to form. It would probably be Gates at center and Bredesen at left guard. But right now, I don't, and you know, obviously Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Glowinski at right guard. They, they paid him to be there. He's going to be there, and uh, Evan Neal at right tackle. Now, I don't 
think they're going to go that route. It sounds like they're going to go Gates at left guard right now. But remember, also Bredesen's coming back. He just had a, he just had four weeks out, right? More than that, actually. He was on IR for four weeks. I think he was out a game or two before that. So you're talking about a guy who's missed four to six weeks with a knee injury. Uh, so I think right now the best solution might be put Feliciano back at center, get Gates at left guard. I, I don't fully – I don't. it's not like I totally disagree with that. I think that's a terrible idea because there is value to having Feliciano at center. He knows the offense. He helps them get in and out of stuff. He's a veteran. He's a scrappy guy. I think there's a benefit to having his leadership at center. I know Nick Gates is, is a leader and he's a captain. At the same time, he's not quite as familiar with this offense as John Feliciano. So, Question number three, at Mike J. Esp underscore. So it's Mike Espinoza. How's your relationship with Dable? I watch all the press conferences. Seems like he enjoys busting your balls, LOL. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think we have a, a very friendly, amicable relationship. But, uh, yeah, he does like busting my balls. I will say that for the we saw a crack on Brian Dable after the game on, uh, what was that, Thursday. Right, My days are so thrown off right now because of that Thanksgiving game. But we saw a little crack in that. You know, we see the Brian Dable we see on the on the sideline. I mean, he's crazy, right? We've seen it multiple times. He's yelling at everybody, going nuts. Officials, players, uh, just celebration. You know, he get he gets jacked. Now he was pissed after the game on Thursday, to the point where he wasn't asking answering any questions. Basically, it was all like one word: no, yes. What happened? Can't happen. You know, why was there ten men in the field? Can't happen. What happened? Can't happen. And, like, you know, he's a head coach in the NFL. You can't just go up there and not answer any every question. So I started pushing him a little bit. And you saw he gave me some daggers there. So the crack started to show a little bit. But I'd say our relationship so far has been pretty positive. Next question. Vivek Sundaram underscore NYG. Says, any status update on Xavier McKinney? Yeah, I put this out on Tuesday. I asked McKinney, I said, hey, you want to give us any sort of real update on how you're doing or whatever? He said, not now. I said, well, are you willing to say if you expect to come back this season? Because last time we spoke to you, you said you weren't really sure. And he said, yeah, he did expect to come back. So that's where we're at on Xavier McKinney. Now, he had something in his hand, like almost above his knuckle, almost like, Yellow. It almost looked like a yellow from a distance brass knuckle, but it might have been like some sort of like pins in his hand, fingers, something like that. He was going in the shower, so he had a you know he had the the there was no wrap, there was no. I think he still wears the hard uh, cast over it, the the hard plastic case over it, that the cast that you could take on and off. But he was going in the shower, so I think he had that off. Uh, but anyway. It seems like he's making progress. It's obviously multiple fingers, so I think that's why. And it's it almost looked like it was more his hand than just necessarily the fingers. And I think that's probably why it's a lot harder. You can't just throw on the cast and play through it. Plus, he had surgery. So, Michael Rosati M Rosati eleven says, "Did you get the sense from guys this week that the pressure is on? The season starts now. That's in quotes. Makes you want to run through a wall, but could make." some players feel the pressure especially in New York as I said before yeah I think the pressure's starting to build up a little bit you saw Dable after the game the other other day against Dallas completely ticked off 
Uh, his reasoning was that they had some missed opportunities, which don't disagree with at all. Did have some missed opportunities in that game. The illegal man downfield was an absolute killer. Uh, you know, the missed sack by Thibodeau, I think, was huge at the beginning of the third quarter. To me, that turned the game. Would have been second play from scrimmage. Dallas gets basically nothing on first down, maybe even through an incompletion. Thibodeau has a sack for like six or eight yards, misses Dak, right? Instead of second, uh, third and 16 or third and 18, you know, Dak runs for six. They get a first down, and the next thing you know, it's a 15-play, 75-yard drive. Honestly, I know Thibodeau played really well in that second half, but you got to get some sacks. That was, to me, the biggest play of the game is his missed sack at the beginning of the third quarter. So, uh, and yeah, now they're talking about all of a sudden all season – they're talking about worry about this week, this week, this week. We're only worried about now. We're not looking ahead. All of a sudden, Brian Dable says, this is what we play for. You know, this, this, these, this is the stretch. This is when it matters. This is what, you know, what we set ourselves up for. So now all of a sudden they're thinking big, big picture. Okay, everything's in front of us in December slash January. And, the, and then we're still in November. I'm taping this in November. But still, it's a change, it's a change of tone a little bit. So I, I do think the pressure is starting to build on them. They're, they understand, hey, things getting serious now. This game against Washington is legit huge. Huge game for this team. Like they have to win this game. I wouldn't say it's a must win, but they're like, they're in trouble if they don't win this game. Then the pressure really builds that second matchup in two weeks. Uh, from Justin Panic Panic from Talking Giants, final question here, number five. How has it been, maybe question number six actually, how has it been being back in the locker room this year? Are reporters able to build the same connections with players like they did pre-2020? And I, I, I like this question because I thought it was interesting. It made me think, yeah, you know, it is such a huge benefit. And I don't know if you guys as fans, you know, can realize it, but you're consuming better information. You're consuming more accurate information. There's just more that I, you know by being in the locker room, by talking to guys, by having those relationships. You get, you're back in the locker room for the same amount. It's pretty much not much has changed. The only thing that really has changed, and this kind of had changed beforehand, before the pandemic anyway, is that there's no Monday access. Is that that's via Zoom. So Monday press conferences are kind of Zoom. But that was kind of heading that way. It was teleconference before the pandemic. But it was kind of heading towards non-in-person on Monday's day after game anyway. But, yeah, you're getting time to create relationships with players, to talk to them personally so you can get, you, you get their stories, so you know what they're about. And then, in, in turn, you know, we are able, as reporters, at least I'm talking for me personally, I'm able to get more information. Like, I know what's going on better. Like, I let's say I know who's – going to start on the offensive line this week. It's Tuesday when I tape this. But I already know pretty much who's going to start. Now, I want to see how the week plays out. Things can always change. But these are the benefits of being in the locker room. So, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been nice, and it's certainly been refreshing. On to the next one. All right, going to wrap here with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the episode where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. Let me tell you, Thanksgiving in Dallas, while not ideal because you're away from your family, and you know it's a family holiday, I'd love to sit there like you guys and watch TV 
and watch the football on TV all day and sit on the couch and eat, kick your feet up. Not didn't happen this year. Now the benefit, the flip side is the benefit is because you work on Thursday, I'm back on Friday, is that you get the weekend off, which is a rare weekend off. Think about that. So I got to sit back, kick it up, kick the feet up, and watch Sunday football, which was sick. But while you're there in Dallas, AT&T Stadium, Jerry, Jerry's World, you get a pretty good meal. He hooked it up. Okay, let me lay this out. So you walk in. First of all, they got, you know, soda machines, uh, you know, where you get where you get your cup and you just could pick your soda. They got a uh, iced tea pitcher on the side. So a lot of, lot of options for drinks. But then you go there, they got the carving station. All right, it was some kind of prime, uh, some, not prime, ribeye carving station. So you start out with that. Then you go over to the main row of trays of food. I mean, you got all the Thanksgiving stuff, all the staples. You got your turkey. You got your ham. You got your mac and cheese. You got your stuffing. You got your green bean casserole, which I kind of really like. You got a couple salads, mashed potatoes, you name it. So a solid assortment of Thanksgiving staples right there. And good food. I mean, whoever caters the Dallas Cowboys food, it's good. Now, let me tell you, the Dallas food is dynamite in the first place. The best in the league, in my opinion, or at least top three. Easy. So, Thanksgiving, they only step it up a little bit. And then you got a dessert table, right? The dessert table's got, like, Little mini desserts, almost like a Vietnamese table at like a you know event with all different options. There's, there's actually a bag of pop, bags of popcorn there too. But I mean, you're talking like a little apple pies, a little pecan pie, a little some kind of chocolate mousse. Uh, you know, just five or six dynamite Thanksgiving choices there, unlimited. You could just go back and pick at it as much as you want, and then like a candy dispensary which was like kind of like it's a big plastic machine I guess it's not really a machine it's just a dispensary with like five different tubes right has the Dallas Cowboys star on it and just in there you could you know just pull out they're all wrapped individual Reese's uh, taffy uh, the little sunkissed fruit snacks Little like uh, circular jelly fruit snacks. I think you know what I'm talking about. Tootsie rolls, and you just can go by all day. Just take it, you know, put some in your pocket. You know, grab grab a handful of whatever Reese little individual wrapped Reeses. Put them in your pocket. I mean, eat a couple here and there. You know, we were pounding the uh, the sunkist fruit jellies like they were nothing. So. Overall, pretty darn good spread they give you. And this isn't, trust me, this isn't the norm. I mean, it's the norm in Dallas, but this isn't the norm of what a spread looks like at most stadiums. It's not what it looks like at MetLife Stadium. Trust me on that one. MetLife is in probably in the bottom half of the league in regards to food. Now, the omelet station is the best part of the MetLife food, especially for the, but only for the 1 o'clock games. The omelet station really is good. Omelet station is dynamite. But everything else, you know, not not at Dallas standards, trust me. And then after the game in Dallas, this is always a staple too. This is a normal thing. 
they have the tap, the beer tap. You fill up a little cup, have a little beer with some some local beer there with like some pistol gun, like as the uh, the logo, you know, real Texas style. And uh, yeah, they treat you well there, Jerry coming through that's it for this episode of breaking big blue as always like subscribe tell your friends you want the inside information on the giants breaking big blue is where you go i'm jordan ronan you listen to breaking big blue see you next time